0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you to the two people who said good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Blake. Hey, uh, it's so good to be here. And um, it was my first week out of school. Brian's first week. Like, did you have to go any this week? Every day. Every day. I was there. I stopped by there on Friday. I didn't have to stay the day. Oh, okay. I said, I didn't see you. I stopped by on my way home. Um. But sorry, that's carry on a conversation in the beginning of the sermon. So uh but so good to be here if you're listening online. We're glad you're joining in on this good summer Sunday. And um, we've been in this series that we've called or we titled Goat, um, Greatest of All Time. And uh last week um Last not last week, but the first week we talked about how the reason that Jesus is the goat is because he, uh, he is the exact imprint of God, or you can say he is God, all right? That's one of the reasons why he's the greatest of all time. And then last week we talked about Jesus, uh, Jesus is the goat because he became our kinsman redeemer. He became our kinsman redeemer, which means he, ha- he came to be like us, to redeem us. Because for something to be redeemed by somebody, they have to be a kin or alike. And so, what what we looked at is how in 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 Jesus's time period, if you were a kinsman redeemer, what you were is you're someone who re, who was related to um, to this person, and you paid their debt for them. Right? And I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad that Jesus became be our kinsman redeemer. And um, and today. Um, we want to look at the fact, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus is the goat because of his finished work of grace, because of his finished work of grace. And here's the great thing: like you, you, especially on like Good Fridays, a lot of times, which I didn't this year, but a lot of times on Good Fridays, you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, right? And when Jesus was on the cross, what was the last phrase he said? It is finished, or tetelestai, which means it's been paid in full. There's nothing else to be given. It's paid in full, it's finished. And what we're gonna, what this, what this, what this means, this idea of finished grace, we have to understand what the definition of grace really is. And the definition of grace is this: you can write this down. To grace is unmerited favor unmerited favor Which means you don't deserve it. You can't earn it because it's already been worked for it's already been earned It's already been paid for through the work and the ministry of Jesus and that gets me a little bit excited because that means One that it's not relied on myself To get there because like I've said several times I'm screwed up from the floor up Okay, I mess up all the time. I could never earn or be able to purchase this grace. But we had Jesus who came to be our kinsman redeemer to give us this free gift of grace, unmerited favor. It's why if our friend Paul would write in Ephesians 2, he said in verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. You can't take credit for it. Do you take credit for, credit for a gift that you've been given? No. You're like, you would never believe what mom got me this year. Because all praise goes to the giver, not the receiver, right? You would never believe what Brittany got me for our anniversary, you know? Brittany always gets me good stuff, and I feel like a failure because I never get her good stuff. I'm not, as we talked about this morning, I'm not good at surprises, okay? I'm the worst at that. Like, I'll buy a present like two weeks in advance, and I'm like, I come home and I go, hey, I can't wait, I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> and then I have to figure out what I'm going to get her on, actual whatever that is, right? But God saved you by his grace, or God saved you by his unmerited favor, unearned favor, unworkable favor, like it's a gift, his grace when you believed, and you t- can't take credit for it. You have to go back. Can't credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation, salvation is not a reward because a reward is earned. A reward is when you finish the. Well, nowadays anybody who plays gets a reward. But if you, it's a re, reward is when you finish something, like when you achieve something. You don't achieve salvation because salvation is in the presence of God, right? It's filthy rags, so none of us can boast about it. This grace that we receive, we can't, because here, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm an attaboy att- 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 kind of guy, like, I, I, um, words of affirmation is my is my thing, I like the pat on the back, I like the, hey Derek, you're doing a great job, Derek, your hair looks good today, even though it's receding, someone, kids at the middle school call me McDonald's head, <laughs> gets on my nerves, because, you know, you know, the M in my forehead, <laughs> okay, and I just always look like, you'll get here one day, brother. So they really did call me McDonald's. <laughs> and I always just go, bum, 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 bum. I'm loving it. But um, where was I even going with that? Okay. But, anyways, like, it's, you, you can't boast about it. It's nothing that you can do. Like, a reward is not something that you can boast about. Like, it's some, a reward is something you boast about because you achieved it. But salvation isn't achieved, grace is not achieved, it's given. It's given. So as we look at the third chapter of Hebrews today, what you have to remember is these are Jewish believers in Christ. Okay? These are Jewish believers in Christ, which means up until this point, they follow, follow Jewish tradition of sacrifices, of, of following their old leaders like Moses and Abraham and Elijah and all these people. They followed all them, so that's what they knew, and they, that's, that was a safe space for them to use a common language of today. That was a safe space for them. Something they could go back to if they ever felt pressure. And what the thing is, they felt some pressure in this time because they were being persecuted. Persecuted by family members, by friends who were still following Jesus. And they turned and repented, or repent means turn, turn away from that, going toward Jesus, and they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted. So, with them being persecuted, they want to go back, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to teach them or show them why Jesus is so much better and why Jesus's way is a better way. So, we talked about his first argument. Like we said, was he is the exact imprint of God, first chapter one. He is ex- he is God. Okay. So, even though it's a new way, it's really been the way the whole time because. What do we know about the Old Testament? It points to the coming Jesus. And then you, then his second argument was, it was because he, the reason you can follow, he's the goat, the reason he's the best of all time, the reason he's the better way is, become, is because he's a kinsman redeemer. He came to save us, to be like us. That's why he says in that chapter 2, he, like Jesus himself said, and he points back to it and says, I'm not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Like Jesus right now is saying, God the Father, this is my brother and sister. He's made you akin to Him. And today we're going to look at the reason Jesus is the better way, the reason He's the GOAT, the reason He's the greatest of all time is because of His finished work of grace. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews 3. If not, it's going will be on the screen above my head. Um, like most things are above my head because I'm short. I um, get it. Won't He do it? Uh, um, Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1, let's see what our friend writes to us. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God, isn't it great to belong to God? Like we are His, and he is, he is ours. Dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Like that's really important right there. We're partners with those who are already called to heaven. That means we're just as important as Moses. We're just as important as Elijah. We're partners, colleagues, brothers. those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he, he was faithful to God who appointed him just as who? Moses. Just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. So you have to understand, the writer of Hebrews is bringing up a key person in their former faith. Because if you know anything about Jew- Jewish tradition, they go back to their key leaders. And Moses was like the top two. You got Abraham and Moses. And sometimes you can interchange those depending on what group you're with. Okay? Because if you look in the New Testament, a lot of times they, when, when people would come question Jesus, they would say something to the fact that, are you following Moses' teaching? Right? Like he was a key element. Like when, they, when, when the writer of Hebrews brought up Moses, everybody knew who Moses was. Everybody did. They knew who Moses was. And Mo, Moses was this key figure in the Jewish faith. So what is, what's about to happen is the writer is going to make a comparison between the work of Moses and the work of Christ. And this is dangerous. Because if the writer goes and says, don't follow Moses, then he discredits Moses, right? And who did Moses point to? Jesus. But if he lessens the talk about Jesus then people are going to go, well, I'm going to go back to my faith. It's a tricky situation, but it's an important situation. Let's go on verse 3. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Okay, so here's this phrase. Can Can you imagine being the Jewish people, grew up being told that Moses was the man? And now this Jesus, you're hearing this guy say Jesus deserves far more glory. Like it's starting to get a little dangerous here. Like this is one of those points, you know, when you're trying to give an argument and you have to say like that key phrase that causes tension, because tension is good. That's why when you work out, not that I have in a while, and you put weights on, it causes tension, which makes your muscles grow. So he's drawing this tension in because because tension can be good, okay far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a what? Builder. But the one who built everything is God. The one who built everything is God. So here's the thing I want I want everybody to say, this house. You say this house? This house. The house here is speaking of the followers of God or the church. So the, these two verses are pointing us to who is really over this house. Not just shift church, but believers. Who is over it? Because in Judaism, even though they say God the Father is over it, but who's over really their house? The writings and teachings of Moses and Abraham and Elijah and the Proverb, even their ho what, what what the writer here is saying is over this house, over even their house, because Moses was just a servant in this house, really, is God. And with Jesus being the exact imprint of God or being God, who's over it? Jesus. He built the house because they're the ones who who should be praised. Like the people who build houses are praised for the finished work. Okay? Here's what I mean by that. Okay? I used to work for Gus Construction Company. They built like like million dollar homes, okay? In gated communities. Like it was amazing, okay? And here I am, a 19 year old fool, not very good with their hands, and he hired me and I, I i pretty much swept floors, okay they let me build a wall one time one time, okay, and then walk- okay, let me just tell you how bad this was I'm a little better now, okay um but this one time they had you know those desks you go by from like Walmart and you like they have instructions and it takes like maybe twenty minutes to put together six hours later, I finally get done okay that's how like, but here's the thing that I loved about about this is is that Whenever we got done with the house, the people were so, they didn't praise the house. Who did they praise? The builders. Oh, Chad, you you guys did so good. This is so amazing. Like, you guys are awesome. This house looks amazing. Like, you went above and beyond. Like, you guys went above and beyond what I ever could dream. Yeah, they were complimenting the house, but really they were complimenting the builder. And it's 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 why the it's why why what this writer is saying is that, G, that 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 this builder is Jesus, from the very beginning the builder has been Jesus, because he's the exact imprint. And it's why in Matthew Jesus says, "Upon this rock I will build my I will build this house, this ecclesia, this church. I will build this house. I will finish the work needed to bring people back to the Father." That's what he was here for. That's the reason he's building this house, was to bring people back to the Father. And Hebrews 3 5 says this Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant, he was an illustration of the truths God would, would reveal later and what the writer is saying here is that Moses is a great guy, he's a good guy. you should listen to him like we've done sermon series on stuff that Moses has, has written. like you should listen to him. it's good. that's great but he what is it, what it's saying is, is that his work or him, Moses was just a shadow of the true Jesus, the true builder that was coming. He was just a shadow just a shadow. He deserves honor. He deserves all that, but he's just a shadow of something greater to come. Something greater to come. He's just a shadow. Verse, verse 6, But Christ, as the Son, Moses was the what? Servant. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So with Moses being the servant or the shadow, pointing people to Christ, Christ the Son, who is the builder of, this, of the house of grace, because here's the deal, and this isn't me dogging Moses, Moses couldn't lead the people to the promised land. Moses couldn't finish that. Moses couldn't lead people to rest. Because why? What should have been a two-week journey took 40 years. And here's the crazy thing. If you look at the map, like if you look at the maps that they've drawn up of their path, they pretty much were on the border of this promised land the whole time. But what happened is Moses believed a lie. Remember when he sent the people over to spy on the land and two came back and were like, dude, we got this. We can take them. Yeah, there's some giants over there. But man, we, like, we got this. And the rest of them come back and go, hey, listen, there's giants over there. We're gonna, they're going to kill all of us. And Moses got scared. He lost faith and confidence in the power of the father who he served. That's why he was just a shadow of something greater to come. He couldn't, couldn't lead people into rest, real rest. Because here's what we're going to read on here. Hebrews 3, 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, because Moses heard the voice of God, say, I'm leading you to the promised land. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did. People believed a lie too. Don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Like, I don't know if y'all want to, like, why would you want to test God's patience really? Like, like, he could take you out, okay? You know, mama's always said, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Yeah. There we go. That's where they got it. Because moms are really close to God. Huh? There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. Wait, that sounds really familiar. Doesn't it? Don't our hearts always t- tend to turn away from the things of God? Like when those when those rough patches hit, when we're in that wilderness, we always want to turn Away and here, here the writer of Hebrews is saying, You remember when God said this? It's true for us now. Don't, because here the other face of persecution, they're going to turn away from God to go the other way. Don't do that again. Don't be like your ancestors and wander in the wilderness for 40 years, or for some of us, the rest of our lives. Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So they wandered around in the forest, in the wilderness, for 40 years until that generation of people died, including Moses. Because they turned away from something that was great. And how many of us are going to turn away from the greatest of all time? And here's the thing. Like, sometimes it's in the middle of our wilderness. It's hard for us to see what God is doing right in front of us. Right? Like, when we're in those rough patches and God's trying to show us something, like, and we forget, like we forget where God's brought us from, like, we're, we used to be, like, right here, Right? We used to be right, right over here, and yet there's, that's the goal, and we may be like right here, but in the middle of this mess, in the middle of this process, we lose fact that we, that's where he's brought us from, and we're just worried about what's going on around us. And, we've, and we, and we, you know, I'm going to have to go back because this is what I know and instead of looking back and going, look how far God's brought me. Now, can you imagine that two-week, that what should have been a two-week journey if they would have just looked back and remembered where God had brought them from? We were slaves in Egypt. It's like we were slaves. We're slaves to sin. We were slaves in Egypt. And you know all those miracles that happened that week? Remember when the blood the water turned to blood? Where all them locusts came up and ate everything? Like you remember all that? Oh, you remember when we got to that got to the sea and we didn't know how to cross and the armies closing in and all of a sudden the, the sea split? And we and like not only did the sea split, okay? But it was, what does it say in that story? That the that the ground was what? Dry. You know why I think it was dry? So it wouldn't leave footprints for them to find their way back. We were walking around on dry ground, and all of a sudden, as we're going and we look back, the armies come and we're like, is God splitting the waters for them too? And all of a sudden the waters close and, and kill them all. Wait, that, that's my God. Let's kill them. <laughs> Like, they, they could have looked back and saw that, but instead they started going, you know it was better for us as slaves in Egypt. No, it wasn't. Look, look at God's promise of rest over here, and you're worried about going back and doing the work. You know what I'm saying? Because here's the deal, I think, what we all have to realize is that like him comparing where they are to the wilderness, to the wilderness of their ancestors, this is a comparison for us in our lives. And here's what I want you guys to know if you're taking notes. In the wilderness that you find yourself in life, the hardships, the, the struggle that you find yourself in, the wilderness is the process. The wilderness is the process. And the process is this, is that God's trying to get you somewhere. And although sometimes we can blind ourselves by our current situation, God is using that situation to teach you and to get you stronger so that when you get over here and you get to face that again, you've already, you've already won. You've already won that battle, so you can face that with fear. Like don't stru- don't get stuck in the process, because it, it's in the process. It's in the process that we can't forget where we came from, because we're like those slaves. And although we are in a rough patch, that that's this is how this is how God's growing us. It's called sanctification. It's a big church word, okay. It means God's trying to make you pure and holy and for you to be pure and holy you have to go through a refining process or a fire. It's the process. Because once we get through the process the process will lead to rest. The process will lead to rest. And that rest is found in the finished work of grace. Because that whole story is just also a shadow of what Jesus is doing in your heart. Your heart is lost in the wilderness. There's this picture between the wilderness and their current persecution. Wilderness and our current situations and Moses not being able to finish the work into leading them into rest because he was just a shadow and the story is just a shadow that we know that we know now that Jesus is the way to rest in grace. That's why if we go on and read the rest of this chapter it says be careful then dear brothers and sisters Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Don't be like your ancestors turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day why it is still today. That's why we do life groups. That's why we hang out together sometimes outside of church stuff. Because we have to encourage each other every day. Don't forget where God brought you from because he's taking you somewhere. This is just a process. I know it's been hard and you felt lonely for the, for the last little bit, but take, like, don't give up. Just remember, don't turn around and go back to the same lifestyle you were living before. I know it's hard. This is just the process. This is the sanctification process. This is just a wilderness you're in. But rest is coming if you stay faithful to the builder of this house. I remember helping Justin build a barn at an old stinky farm. And it's like the nicest barn. Like I would live in this barn, okay. And I remember us setting the poles and how hard that was. I remember, I remember us putting the floor together, trusting that thing, and baby, out. And then we had this. I think. If I'm not mistaken, we had this bright idea of instead of ordering trusses for the roofing, we decided to make them ourselves and measure everything out. Dumb. This guy ain't good at math. Look at my bank account. Okay? And then the guy who's scared of heights has to get up on the roof of this place and get up on the ladders of this place, and it was hard. Right? Right? But I had to remind myself, and I don't even know if Justin even realized it, but he was, I mean, even though it was sometimes miserable because it was like bitter cold outside while we were building this, but he would say, I can't wait till it's finished to see what it looks like. There was this sense of excitement. There was a sense of wait till you see the finished project. I know this is hard. I know what we're doing is hard. I know your fingers are about to fall off, and every time you accidentally hit your hand with a hammer, it, it hurts. But wait, like, when this is finished, like, this, this is going to be livable. Or, like, when when the owners of this house will come out and they go, hey, listen, we can just cut out a big window here and make this a little house and they can look out over the river. Like, like what could be the finished product? Like, we have to spur one another on with encouragement. Why it is still today? Because tomorrow may not be here and we can't give up today. Because if we, if we encourage each other today to keep moving... Look what's on the other side. There's rest right here. We're almost done. We're almost there. Why it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Like if the, if the people would have listened to those two, two spies that came back and said, on the other side of this river, it flows with milk and honey. There's grapes the size of people over here right? There, yeah, there's some giants. They got some big heads, but we can take them down. But there's so much. Look look at the rest of it. Look at the finished work. If we would just... And people's heart, all they heard was what? There's giants in the land. we got to encourage each other today. That's why when I get... I love getting text messages or phone calls and say, man, I love you. You're doing a great job. I'm not asking for you for do that. If you want to do it, do it. It makes me feel good. Maybe your encouragement is some other way. If maybe somebody just surprises you with a gift every once in a while and it encourages you for the day, right? What if we really took to heart and warned each other every day not to give up? Because we can't let our hearts get hardened. Verse 14 For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly. That's when we first believed, because when we first believed, we were on fire, y'all, wasn't we? We would run up to our grandmother, I got saved today, grandma! Woohoo! Right? You not believe what happened to me at church this morning, guy? I got saved this morning. You know? We were so excited. We would tell everybody about it. But then life hit, right? The wilderness hit. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Why? Because remember last week, he calls us brothers and sisters. We're co-heirs with the king. Remember verse 15. Remember what it says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God? Because it wasn't God who rebelled or turned his back. Cause he was always there, providing for him, wasn't he? Even though they heard his voice, wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? So what he's saying right there is, see, Moses, Moses couldn't get people to that rest, because he was just a shadow. He's great, he's wonderful, and all that. Verse sixteen, right there, it says Moses, Moses, could not, wasn't able to lead them out. Although he was a great leader, he couldn't get them to that point. And so we're looking for somebody who could. Because in our can, he can. That's why he's the goat. Because he finished. He finished it. Verse 17 And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? That's a little rough. And who was it God was speaking to when he took an oath that they would never enter rest? So wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? That's how the chapter ended. In chapter 3 of Hebrews. I love the fact that it says "And to whom did God speak when he took an oath that they would never enter rest? And you're like, why do you love that? Because this is kind of a warning, but also an encouragement to us to that there is rest coming. And if we stay faithful, unlike the children of Israel in this time, we will enter that rest. The last thing I want you to write down is this. Is Jesus is superior to Moses because of Jesus' finished work, believers can rest under grace. Like, I know we have heaven in our future, right? And that's going to be a great place of rest. It's going to be a huge place of rest. But here's the thing. You have rest today. Because you're under grace. You no longer have to work for God's affection. You no longer have to try to buy His love. And even in the Old Testament, I really don't think you had to do that. Because later in Hebrews, we're going to find out that the old system was just there to show us that we couldn't earn that. It was just a shadow of what was to come. Hebrews is all about shadows, okay? So don't be scared of shadows. They're not ghosts, okay? But there's rest for you today. You don't have to strive for approval. But what you can strive for is your relationship with God. Does that sometimes require you to put some boots on? Sure. But his favor is free to you as a gift of grace. And how do we know that? It's cuz he went to the cross. He finished it. He said no more bringing sacrifices to the altar because not only am I the altar, I'm the sacrifice on the altar and I'm the high priest that's that's giving the offering for your Like that's why he is prophet priest and king. He's all of those in one person. And we can rest in that. Because no longer do we have to have a mediator to get to the Father, because He is the mediator. Not only do, not, not do we have to look for a message of God anymore, because He is the message, prophet and priest. And we don't have to worry about our future, because our brother and our Father is the King. So, guess what we got? We got rest, y'all. We can sit back, relax, get in our lazy boy. Don't really do this. And sit back and relax. We can sprawl out on the couch. Just don't do it in your underwear. Okay? Listen, we are free, y'all. We don't have to work for this anymore. We have a king who gave it to, is giving it to us as a free gift, an unmerited favor, Unearned favor. That's why He's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest of all time because He gives us the free gift of grace and the finished work of of grace. All right? Let's pray. To God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And we want to thank you for your free gift of grace that you are the greatest of all time because you give it to us for free and you made it free to us. So God, as we sing this next song, as we sing about you being the great I am, may we do it with celebration. May we do it with with excitement, because you are the great I am. You bring dead things to life, and what's dead in us, you say, I'm going to change that for you. You don't have to do anything other than just say, take it. God, as as, as, we, as we wrap this up, God, as we sing one more song, God, let us just shout with praise about how great you are, because you are great. You're the greatest of all time. You're our goat.